Ronananian. You ever wonder, eh, that little bit of a stumble, that little bit of a hesitation, he who hesitates is lost. Well, sometimes you lose a whole lot more than just being lost. Too often. The best time I have is when I am lost, before I get where I'm going. The Car Doctor. I just want you to be open to ideas because the things we talk about are very, very different than your perception in some cases. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Ania, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Start your engines and let's get under the hood. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to talk to you about your automotive problem. And we're going to dive right in because without the usual fanfare, we've got Bob from Springfield, Illinois. We held over from a previous hour. If uh, you're on an affiliate and you're just new to it, well, you know, we've got a, we don't normally do this, but this was a good couple of questions we thought and we uh, wanted to hang on to Bob. We didn't want to rush him at the last hour. So Officer Bob, are you still there, sir? I am, sir. We were we were talking about your intake uh, gasket. For everyone just tuning in, Crown Victoria 2006 Crown Vic replaced the intake, and the intake's leaking. And my comments were, you know, where is the leak coming from? And one of the things you could do here is, instead of running the engine and trying to look at it, nothing worse than trying to work on and look at an engine when it's hot. Can we do this when it's cold? So it might require you buying a pressure test or something to go on the radiator or the coolant bottle to pressurize the system and then see where the leaks are coming from. And, you know, that's that's one way of doing it. The second way, if you want to pinpoint it, is to simply purchase a cooling system dye, which is sort of, you know, when you go to the doctor and they put that dye in your veins and they want to look and they want to see, you know, are, are the arteries and everything flowing as good as they could, and then they look at you under that under that big fancy lamp and charge you $10,000 for that test. And, uh, um, you know, same thing with a car, except it's a lot less than 10 grand. If it's, if, if it's that, if it's that cheap at a doctor's and, you know, you put the fluorescent dye in and you will see, you know, where it's leaking out using a black light and a pair of special glasses. And that'll give you a clue. If you really think it's the corner of the intake, short of it being the wrong intake, a bad new intake, a warped intake, wrong bolt, something like that. If we think it's the ceiling surface, of the head, and I've done this on occasion, I will take some RTV, but I will use Permatex, the right stuff. And I'm sure there's other things out there that work, but I can tell you from experience, Permatex, the right stuff, really works well. All right? And I will, I will put a schmear, all right? A definition of a schmear in New Jersey is your index <laughs> finger, a dab, and a, okay, across the top of the area, just enough to give it a taste, all right? And then, uh-huh. pu- then put it together. And, you know, you've got to give it, they say, Permatex says it's uh, 15, 20 minutes, but I'll, I would give it at least an hour before I started it up and got it wet and then see where that goes. All right. So okay. those those well, really are your three choices for that. Um, uh, number one, I mean, I'm sure, and just for the record, I'm sure you can find Permatex, the right stuff. And if you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts by you, uh, you can Absolutely. find it and you can get it at O'ReillyAuto.com and, and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, that's where I would start this this conquest. So second question. Uh, second question is a 1995 Dodge Ram 1500. And a couple of weeks ago, just suddenly my speedometer started reading about twice as fast as I was going. 
which is like, you know, I'm going down the highway 100 miles an hour according to the speedometer. I replaced the speed sensor in the transmission. Right. And that and that didn't didn't seem to fix it. Although having driven it on several times after that, there has been one or two times when it appears like it's reading correctly. Okay. Um, um, does this have does, does this have any controls or functionality for uh, um, standard to metric? I don't think it's this, but I just want to be sure. There's no there's no way to change the speedometer to read in metric. No. Okay. No. Um, you know, just just although that still wouldn't be twice as fast. You were going to say something else, Bob. What was it? Um, whatever it was went right out of my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so so then my questions would be: Does the vehicle have cruise control? Yes. Does the cruise control work? Well, that's what I, it, at this point in time it is not. So I was thinking maybe there's some connection between the two. I, I'm I'm assuming if the speedometer's not working, the cruise control can't work. Well, uh, let's say it like this: If the speedometer, if if the cruise control is receiving a signal, it doesn't know that it's. It doesn't know that you're trying to put the cruise on at 100 miles an hour. So the- oh. theoretically, the cruise would work. Mm-hmm. All right? So my first question is, does the cruise work? Cruise doesn't work. Second question, if you hook up a scan tool, now this is OBD1. This is going to be the connector out under the hood, 95. Although 95, it can be, 95 was the first year on some models, but it could go either way. So whatever way, shape, or form, you can get a scan tool hooked up. Speedometer reads 100 miles an hour. What does the PCM say? What does the powertrain control module say? If the powertrain control module sees 100 miles an hour and it matches the speedo, then I'm going to say that somehow the speedometer sensor or the connection, the wire, something is fouled up here that is producing an erratic signal. But if, if the PCM is seeing 50 miles an hour but the speedo is displaying 100, then it's one of two choices. Either you're going to start to scope out the speed sensor. It's a 5-volt square wave signal. And you're going to look at the signal itself to see, does it match what it should be at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, et cetera? Or do you have a fault in the speedometer cluster? All right. Okay. Uh, that, All right. That's that's how I would approach it because, you know, everything has to line up. PCM's got to agree with trans, got to agree with what the speedo cluster says. So now you've got to figure out a way to, you know, get your hands on a scan tool and go in and look at that. And, and attack it that way. All right, sir? I appreciate that. Well, you listen. Are, you are the man to go to. Well, we're for... trying. You know, we're trying. And, Bob, I'll tell you what. <laughs> stay on the line. Uh, we're going to be sending you a $25 gift card courtesy of the folks at O'Reilly Auto Parts, Batteries, Brakes, and the O'Reilly O-Rewards program. Whatever it is that you need, O'Reilly Auto Parts has it. Better parts, better prices every day. Stay on the line, and you can use that $25 gift card, hopefully towards some of the parts you need for either the Crown Vic or the 95 Dodge Ram. All right, sir? All right, hang on one minute, and Tom will uh, Tom will take your information. Let's get over to Alan in Springfield, Illinois, 04 Chevy Malibu, and some questions about uh, no starts and no sparks. So, uh, Alan, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. How are you doing today? Good, Listen sir. To you every weekend. Thank you, sir. What's going on? Uh, well, we've uh, this is my sister's car. Uh, I take care of her for because she's unable to. Okay. And uh, we originally started with the codes P300 and P420, which are, you know, spark and, and emission. Right. Well, one, yeah, multi, we, one's, one's random misfire for those, mm-hmm. th- those that don't know. And P0420 is a cat efficiency or a cat 
uh, failure code. Uh, so go ahead. Right. Yeah, go ahead. So we replaced the uh, spark plugs, the plug boots, and the ignition module. Okay. Got our spark back. We replaced the O2 sender and, and sensor and re- and got rid of the P420. But we're, now we're having a fuel problem. Unable to get fuel up there. So when, wonder what my best spot is. When when you say you're unable to get fuel, Alan, no fuel pressure, no injector pulse. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting anything from the back at all. It's uh, if I you know pull the plugs out, put a little uh, uh the uh, oh jeez, ether. ether in it. Yeah, it'll start up for run for about a minute or so, but there's no continuous fuel, and and I'm not getting a signal. And I've I've already replaced the uh, relays on it because we had problems with relays before. Okay, so l- let me ask you this. Did what what prompted all this? In other words, you had fault codes, and it went into a no start condition, or it was running but it had fault codes, and you did the yeah, work, it, and now it, you it, go ahead. It was it was originally running, and then we replaced, like I said, the uh, the ignition parts, and then it went into uh, a no run situation a few weeks later. Replaced the O2 sensor, sensor, so we got rid of the emission code, and I'm not getting any really new codes, but no fuel to the uh, engine. Okay. Just out of curiosity, do you still have the old ignition module? Yes, and I had it tested. Did you try swapping it back? Yep. Okay, and it made no difference. So, no difference. So, so basically we've got what's probably an unrelated problem here in that we've got a vehicle with no fuel pressure. Right. Okay. So, and you know, it's possible, right? My dead dog that wasn't dead yesterday died today. Uh, you know, here we go. We, 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 you did plugs. You did, you know, a couple of sensors to solve one set of problems. And two weeks later, three weeks later, you've got a completely separate problem in that the vehicle doesn't start. Fair analysis? Yes, sir. Okay. I'll tell you what, Alan. Stay, stay by the phone. Let me pull over and take this pause. And when I come back, we'll talk about it. I'm Ron Anini in the car, Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. We're the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. And uh, keep in mind, 855-560 is 24-7. You can call any time, day or night, leave a message. We are live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. So we're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. But you can call 855-560-9900 anytime, leave a message, and our producer will call you back and get you in the lineup for the following week's live show to talk to you about your particular car problem. And if you're podcasting us, we thank you. And make you aware also, just in case you didn't know, we're at TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes, and you can click subscribe from your local podcast player on your phone or your device. And um, those numbers help us with our sponsors, which is always important. So let's get back to Alan in Springfield, Illinois, 04 Chevy Malibu. Alan, you're still there, sir. Yes, sir. So we pulled over. We took the pause. You were explaining for our new listeners just maybe checking in that you had done an oxygen sensor, you had done some spark plugs ignition module. A couple of weeks later, your sister's 04 Malibu went into a no-start condition, and now it's got no fuel pressure. Fair statement? Yes, sir, and I wanted to try to have you uh, give me the logical steps to give it a shot. Okay. uh, What what sort of scan tool do you have, Alan? Anything? uh, What I do is I go to the local O'Reilly's and and, uh, 
borrow one of their OBD2 scanners usually. Okay. And that's great. But here's a case where, uh, you know, one of the things I'd love to do, because I'm going to have to make some assumptions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say that the fuel pump doesn't run. Fair statement. You don't hear the fuel pump buzz when you turn the key to the on position and not crank it? I do not. Okay. So, you know, do we have, is this vehicle, has this vehicle gone into anti-theft? All right. And here's a perfect example. Everybody asks me, hey, Ron, what's the difference between OBD2 and manufacturer-specific? OBD2 may or may not give us that PID, that display on the scan tool, to say anti-theft active, all right? Whereas a manufacturer-specific, if we had this uh, a scan tool program to read as GM wanted to for a 2004 Malibu, we could bring up the vehicle theft deterrent module and bring up PID active, non-active. If it read active, it thinks the car is being stolen and it won't turn the fuel pump on. You'll have spark. Do you have injector pulse? Did you happen to check for injector pulse? I'm getting no pulse and no pressure at the... Okay, so then let's let's think along those lines. And what we've got to do is find out. We're going to have to plug in a scan tool and look for a vehicle theft deterrent active. If it says active, it's the, the, the... theft deterrent system is disabling the system. And then at that point, you're going to have to get into looking at the pass lock voltage in the BCM. And you've probably, I won't say with 100% certainty, obviously I want you to scan the BCM for fault codes because here's something else OBD2 can't do. You've got to look in the BCM for fault codes, the body computer. And you've if, if, if it all leads in this direction, you're probably going to come up with, oh, things like an 1128 or a 2958, which tells us that you've probably got an issue with either the ignition switch or the pass lock sensor. All right? Okay. So that's that's one possible diagnosis. Anti-theft system, ignition switch, pass lock, some fault codes, BCM, etc. All right? Second All right. Second diagnosis. In the underhood fuse block, fuse number... 47 or 48, I think it's 48, should be the okay. should be the fuel pump injector fuse, all right? You want to make sure that's got 12 volts. If that doesn't have 12 volts, if that fuse is blown, we've got to find out why. That's the fuse that supplies power to the fuel pump relay fuel pump circuit. Okay, and you said that it should have at least 12 volts, right? Right, that should be 12 volts across that fuse key on. Gotcha. All right? And then if that fuse checks good, you've got to find the fuel pump relay. I believe it's going to be in that same underhood uh, electrical center. or the Yeah, I've changed that before. I think I don't remember the exact. I think it might have been 30. I'm not sure, but I have changed that. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to say to change it, but they call it the UBEC because GM has to put, well, they all have to put acronyms on everything. But if you you go across um, pins 30 and 87 on that relay, you know, down in the fuse block, on the fuse block right. side, you should get fuel pressure. If you look at a wiring diagram, you'll see 30 and 87 are the switched legs of the relay. You jumper across that, you should see fuel pressure. Okay. Try All right. That. And if you do that and you still have no fuel pressure and you go back to the tank and you measure 12 volts at the pump, power and ground, always remember you want to measure both legs back there, then you've probably got then you've most likely got a bad fuel pump itself barring something weird, an animal chewed through a wiring harness, you know, something along those lines. Right. So, right. I read, 
rather start the logical up under the hood right. and work my way work your way back. Down. But here's a you know, and for me this is you know for a car guy this is exciting because here's a classic example of you know OBD two works well. It doesn't cover everything, and it makes it it makes the argument complete when I say a shop needs to on a regular basis do a complete scan of all modules looking for pending or potential or hard fault codes in areas other than the PCM other than the engine controller because this is this is where you're going to see it all right sir great you give me a lot of lot of lot of avenues to trot down on I yeah, it's, sure. it's, it it's a lot of ways nobody ever thinks about the anti theft see that's that's always the first place I, I tend to go look uh, you know, for something like this, because it'll give you all the symptoms of, you know, old school bad fuel pump, but it's the computer that's holding it and keeping it on. That, that shows what being away from the car biz twenty five years will do to you. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, Alan. Between you and me, don't tell anybody else. Sometimes I think the reason I don't retire is because I'm afraid if I'm out of this business two weeks, uh, never mind twenty five years. I think if you're out of this business two weeks, it's over. So when you go, you've really got to be ready to go. This is like that well, one. Way, this is like that one-way mission to Mars. When you go, you really got to want to go because <laughs> there's no coming back. Uh, there ain't know, no coming back. There's no That's coming why back. I, you use the old old school logic and the and the new tech, and I really appreciate the help. Well, listen, I um, I I got to tell you, and we talk about this. It seems like we're, we're talking about it more lately in the shop and here, you know, at the house and 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 so on, and here at the studio. But um, I'm very grateful for the course life took me. And I'm really proud to be here to help anybody about their car. And, uh, you know, while not all necessarily agree with me, I, you know what, it's just putting the education and uh, the ability I've got to the best use that I know how. And uh, hopefully I help somebody, and I'm glad to be of service to you today, sir. So you humbled me. We really appreciate it, my friend. Uh, well, you're very welcome. Good luck to you, and uh, I hope your sister's car is, uh, you know, shiny side up and dirty side down and traveling down the road once again. All right? You take good care, Alan. Oh, you. Uh, you take good care, man. Be good. Um, yeah, that's, uh, well, you know what? Listen, you got to appreciate each and every moment and what you're doing. And, um, you know, that's part of fixing cars. Somebody said to me this week, when are you going to retire? And I said, retire from what? <laughs> and they said, why, aren't you working? I said, heck no, I don't work. I fix cars. I've been having fun. I'm going to keep on having fun. Hey, a real quick car doctor shout out. We're going to surprise him here. This is for Bob from the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Friday Night Car Club out on Long Island, New York. Uh, they met up with Tom Ray at a recent meeting, and they explained to him how he's a celebrity, and they think I'm a celebrity of all things. And uh, they listen to The Car Doctor on Friday nights while they're playing and listening to their cars. And Ron and Andy and The Car Doctor says, thank you very much. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, rolling along this hour. At 855-560-9900. Just remember, if you're clicking out there and you're podcasting, to uh, click subscribe. It helps the car doctor out, and we appreciate that. Let's get on over and talk to Garth in Wisconsin, 05 Dodge Grand Caravan, and some problems with the sliding doors. Garth, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Well, I got a problem. I, 05 Dodge Grand Caravan, the, if I push the buttons on the key or the overhead console, the sliding doors will open. Okay. If I press the buttons on the pillar between the front door and the sliding doors, nothing happens. They won't open or they won't close. Okay. This particular system, Garth, 
is really best tested using a scan tool, but let me explain a couple of things to you. Um, and when I say a scan tool, I don't mean OBD2, I mean a manufacturer-specific, uh, you know, because we're going to be looking for signal from the switches. We're going to be looking for trouble codes specific to the system uh, because it's 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 not uncommon for this to have problems with the harness. It's not uncommon for this to have problems with switches and or the control side as well. So there's a there's a few bulletins out from Chrysler to talk about it, and you you really kind of need to get into this deep. It's not a simple, generally not a simple solution. So that being said, you know if we were at the shop for conversation's sake, I I would scan the vehicle for fault codes, looking to see what's in the body computer, and is the PCM are the PCM and the BCM talking to each other, and uh, having conversation. And then once I'm there, I would take a scan tool, go into the BCM, look at data. And I would look at those switches. You know, you can look at those switches up on scan tool. And when you depress it, you can, you know, input yes, output no. And you can actually look to see, does the BCM see a response? And then measure a response back out. Um, here's a case where having a scan tool would actually pay off because you should be able to also bi-directionally control those doors and manually open and close them or automatically open and close them using a scan tool. So that being said... You can take the pillar area apart, should you wish to get into this without a scan, and look at wiring harnesses because the harness, the connectors by the switches and the connectors by the doors, I'm sorry, the harnesses by the doors tend to break and the harnesses themselves fail. And it's not uncommon to have to solder and do a lot of you know rewiring down around the door areas themselves. Is it common for both doors to fail? No, and there's a if they're both if they're both not working. I mean, listen, anything's possible. You know, yeah. the, the the one broke this week, and you didn't notice and open the other one for two weeks, and all of a sudden, yeah, it's you know anything's possible. But here's a case where I would really then want to see this on a scan tool because, you know, if both doors aren't working, now I'm going to sit down and look at a wiring diagram, and I'm going to look for something common to both, but I'm also going to expect to find some sort of a fault code because. On sliding doors, the manufacturers are very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, stringent. They want to know, from a safety perspective, they want to know that the vehicle has complete control at all times, and when it doesn't, they disable them and record a fault because they want it fixed because if something happens, heaven forbid somebody's leg got stuck in a door and it's an automatic close mode, they want to know that they took every precaution because they don't want to get sued. So, you know, a, a scan tool will really tell you a great deal of information in this particular system on this particular problem. I really got to get into a dealer or a good service station. Good service shop that's got, you know, dealer level, um, you know, capable scan tool. You hear me talking about, you know, uh, Chrysler's is the, is the Y-Tech tool, uh, you know, and that's fine. But, you know, you hear me talking about things like the launch scan tool and how launch is, you know, manufacturer specific. And, you know, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for someone uh, with an up-to-date scan tool like a launch uh, that will actually be able to read the system and, um, you know, take it apart electronically, per se, on a scanner, and then, uh, you know, put it back together, you know, as they need to as, uh, when they go to fix it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. Thank you, you know, very much. You're very welcome, sir. Good luck to you, and uh, we wish you the best. Let's uh, pull over and take a pause, 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, we're coming back right after this.
welcome back. We're on the, the car doctor rolling along here. Let's get over and talk to Corey, Northern Minnesota, 2011 Dodge Ram. Corey, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Uh, hi, how are you? Good, um, What's going on? I had recently had uh, on my on the Cummins, you have a in, internal um, exhaust brake on your turbo. Right, a, a, and, a, a variable uh, turbocharger delay, sure. Right. Well, anyway, here about a month and a half ago, two months, it it stuck open or stuck shut. So I didn't. It was the exhaust brake was stuck on. So I tore it down and went through the whole turbo, cleaned it up, and there. I mean, it wasn't sooted up. It wasn't wasn't anything. And except for there was like a piece that was behind the variable. And I called whole set, and they said that that part does not belong in there. Well, there's, there's, it's not possible that the part went through the motor and all the way around, and it was in there from factory, okay. and that's what caused it to stick shut. So I put it all back together, put it back on, and now I'm throwing a, a POOAF code, which is um, right. And it's it's, my, it's 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 listed as a turbocharger fault. Because it's not seeing right. it's it's not seeing proper boost, and so it's limiting. It's going to actually it's it's actually seeing an internal error. The turbo the turbocharger actuator sees an internal error in the turbocharger itself because there's what they call a smart device. They've got a controller on that, so it doesn't overboost. Um, translate that into it. They don't want it to overboost and pay for engines under warranty. So so now you've got a fault code after cleaning it and taking this piece out. That's what you're saying to me. Right, right. Okay. And then I'm wondering if the actuator is, is the problem. But everywhere I take it to is like, well, you got to replace the turbo while well, it's $4,000. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> but, right. But, but I'm wondering if when I took it off, if if that actuator didn't get damaged. Um, it's possible. I doubt it. Generally, the AAF turns into a turbocharger. Um, there, it's, it's, a pretty short, okay. it's a pretty short trouble tree, as I remember. It's... Um, engine not running, do you have the fault codes? Key on engine not running, do you have the fault codes? If you've got that fault, fix it. Um, you know, or I'm sorry, if you have a if you have a, a, a UO ten a UO ten, they want you to, you know, go through some things um elsewhere. But if that code is there by itself, they want you to undo the turbo connector, you know, any of the pins damaged, is the harness intact, that type of thing. And and if the answer to that is no, it it comes down to put a turbocharger in it. Um it's right, it's, right. It's, well, it's, is is that because uh, there's a pretty big board on that actuator and uh, like a computer board and I didn't know if that was causing the issue with it or not. Um, I haven't seen that that computer board. That's the smart device. That's the what you're describing to me is sounds like you're talking about the actual wastegate device that's controlling the turbo. And that has it's right built right on the yeah turbo. that that has its own separate set of faults as well. But to my knowledge, you know, generally the AAF becomes a turbocharger assembly, and it doesn't care how much money it is. It's it is what it is. How many miles right, are on this? Right, how many right. miles are on this truck? I got two K on it. Two two hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But but I mean like. Like all the working motions in that are are they they're clean. I mean, there's no, they aren't sloppy. It's everything's tight. Even the the turbocharger itself is tight. Well, the, the tolerance is real. 
Well, let me let me ask you this question then: Have you considered sending the turbocharger out to someone to have it inspected and rebuilt? Because I'm sure not everybody is, you know, plunking four grand down at the Chrysler store to buy one. Right, right. You know, and, and uh, no, I haven't. I guess. And, and you know, there's 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 tolerances inside that turbo that you can't measure unless you're a machinist, unless you do right. this for a living, which in this case you wouldn't have called me. Um, you'd have the answer already. Um, uh, so, at, right. at, you know, at that point, maybe maybe the what the way to go about this is, uh, you know, because I feel your pain, brother, um, but it, it's, it's generally around the turbo. I would tell you either the turbo's got to be replaced or disassembled and inspected and, you know, tested. Uh, you know, and if that costs you, I don't know, $500, $1,000, it's still not four. All right? Exactly, I guess. So, right. you know, that's that's well, the way to go. The only, the only other place I would look, Corey, before I let you go is I would just take it to your repair shop if they've got the ability. And Chrysler doesn't make it easy for an independent shop to do this. Uh, it's one of the things I, I dislike about Chrysler and their vehicles. But I would definitely have the VIN run through the Chrysler system to see if there are any software updates for this. All right? Any Great. Any, any software updates and, and bulletins pertaining to this. I'm not aware of any. This is usually clear-cut bad turbo. But... You know, I've learned right. what what I knew yesterday is out the door today. So, welcome to auto repair. Right. So now, if I if if I because when I unplugged that now that actuator, my fault code went off, and I, it just basically went back to stock. I think is what happened. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, you what can't you, judge, what is your opinion you, on you, that? You can't judge it by that. You're you're mod, you're modifying the conditions now. All right. You're, right. you're you're disconnecting something and questioning why didn't why you know the turbocharger doesn't work anymore, right? Right. Okay. Well, that's why. I well, think- I mean, it's working. I mean, I'm only getting 15 pounds of boost where I had 32 to 35 before. <laughs> I mean, it's a big right. difference. Well, it, it's well, I'm t- and this is a stock so. system, right? This is, this is a this is a factory system you've got on this. No, I tuned it, but it's a real light tune just for mileage because I do a lot of highway miles. Okay. So, so let's back up a second now. You you've got an aftermarket okay. boost or an aftermarket software package on top of the factory turbocharger and actually No, actually actually it was it was retuned by a a Chrysler tuner. Okay. So actually it's their it was their tuner. And then I went in and I had him throw it on the scanner and that's what it came up as. Okay, so yeah, but where did he get the software from? Is it Chrysler software? It's it's Chrysler approved software, or it just happens to be a Chrysler tech running aftermarket software? No, it was it was Chrysler approved. Okay, well he then, bought the software from them, and then the he actually just modifies a bunch of trucks and stuff like that. All right, so what does he think it is? He just he thinks it's the actuator, but. I, that's why I, I was just getting a second opinion. Yeah, I, you know, the the the, the software is a curveball here. All right, I wasn't expecting that one. Right. All right. So if right. it if it runs properly without the software in it, all right, and it doesn't set the fault code, then you know stock is stock. It, it's working as designed. So now right. you, now you put the software well, in it. Why does it? Why does it? Why does it set the fault code with the software in it? Um, somebody, somebody that somebody has to be responsible for writing that software. Somebody's got to have an answer as to what the parameters were that changed that now creates the fault. Right. 
Okay. All right. That so if, if 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 you put this back to stock condition and it runs fine all day long, every day, two weeks straight, and the minute you put the modification on it, then I don't see how mechanically the turbo can be at fault. It's got to be in the software. It's got to be in whatever you added to it. You always go back. To, you always Great. go back to the last point of insanity, and you figure out where you went nuts. So. <laughs> all right, right. All right. Well, so you know, just I mean, I miss that exhaust brake because I, I'm running 200k on the original brakes. Right. Right. Because I use that. <laughs> but but anyway, thank oh. you for your help and your time. You're welcome, sir. I hope I got you in the right direction. Would you call me back and let me know what ends up fixing this, Corey? It sounds like an interesting problem. I will. All right. You take good care. Eight five eight five five five. Hey, listen, the car doctor likes a mystery just as good as the Hardy Boys. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's cruising back right after this. Don't go away. right, because I'm broadcasting numbskulls. Hey, Ron and Indy and the Car Doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900. Quick couple of points uh, going on here in Car Doctor world. Uh, the folks at Ray Bestus, you know, we're, we're always talking about brakes and um, changes to brakes, and I think brakes are probably the most uh, commonly changed part, uh, not just in terms of replacing them on the vehicle, but in terms of formulation, it seems that they're always replacing and changing the formula of uh, of brakes around these days and um it, it's it's just interesting to watch i think out of all the parts that i have a choice of at the shop um brakes are probably at the top of the list in terms of brand model who's what where when how why uh just always always changing ray bestus has come out with a new line of european brake pads specifically for european nameplates and uh, part of the solution is that it will um, you know help with not just friction area, but there's a concern about dust and dust on wheels and uh, you know how that's affected. But it's a special formulation just for European nameplates, so you can uh, you can look forward to that because um, that's something that you know it's it's always changing. Like I said, brakes are something that we're always going through and um, uh, always having to deal with down in the shop. So just be aware of that. Um, uh, one other point of. Uh, Contention, Tom. Did you did, did you have a quick question about the? Uh, um, you're shaking your head. Yes. No. About what? I'm not sure. You're 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 looking at me like you wanted something. Uh, no, no? no. Okay. No, no. All right. I'm, just checking. I'm, I'm just standing here, minding my own business. You know, counting the paint chips here on the wall. Oh, okay. Is that what that is? Um, okay. So then, right. Okay. Just checking, making sure you're making sure you're. I don't want to make you fall asleep. We got two minutes to go here. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about real quick was I want to talk about Berryman. All right. Uh, carbon, and I guess I, sh- I should I should back out of it and do it this way. So we had a vehicle in the shop last week that we did a carbon cleaning on, uh, motorback carbon clean. Didn't work. And, uh, you know, I've been watching lately. It seems that carbon clean, that actual process of hooking the machine up, has, for lack of a better term, it's it's gotten very specific on which vehicles it will work on. Older vehicles, yes. Newer vehicles, not so much. And I think that newer vehicle parting line is somewhere around 2005, 2004. It seems that vehicles that don't have return lines 
it's not as effective. That's become my opinion of late. And I think part of this is it seems like the carbon's getting harder. Well, uh, the folks at Berryman uh, must seem to agree with that because they've introduced a new high-mileage fuel system cleaner specifically for vehicles with over 60,000 miles on them to uh, go through the fuel system and clean it because they're in agreement. I guess, um, not that they consulted me, uh, but they could have. Um, but it, it, it's that uh, carbon deposits are becoming an issue. So um, you can look for B12 Chem Tool high mileage fuel system cleaner, uh, you know, both at their website and at your local auto parts store and, uh, you know, see the results there. So if you're driving an older vehicle, I'm telling you right now, carbon is the biggest single problem when it comes to fuel systems today. We're going to be dealing with it for some time to come as the formulation of gasoline continues to change and evolve. Hey, I can see by the hands of the great Favag that another hour of car doctor has come and gone, and so must I go. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.